0: So you're thinking about quitting publishing or maybe writing altogether. You started out full of energy and optimism, but it's been a hard road and you're feeling tired and maybe even burned out. So should you quit? My answer might surprise you. Maybe you should. This is an industry where almost everyone has a financial incentive to see you keep going. Once you throw in the towel on your writing, you stop bringing in money for the publishing industrial complex. There's no money in telling people to quit, but there's a lot of money in telling people exactly what they want to hear, that they will be the next bestseller and the hottest thing in publishing. Just keep paying for coaching edits, covers and conferences. Eventually, you will be a star. But writing is expensive. The time you spend writing, you can't do anything else. You will never get that time back. You will live the rest of your life and die and still not get the time back you spent writing your book. Yes, publishing is expensive in terms of money, but you can always make more money. But you can never make more time. The richest billionaire has the same 24 hours as the poorest debt peon and only a handful of writers ever die at their keyboards. This means we're all going to quit eventually. So how do you decide if now is a good time to quit or if you should keep going? Well, that's what you will discover in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is a show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. If you're feeling good about your writing, I encourage you to make a deal with yourself. Promise that when you're thinking about quitting, that you'll first come back and listen to this episode. So let's start by talking about some uncomfortable realities. The first is that writing is work. Yes, it's fun when it's a hobby, but as you become a professional writer, writing becomes a job. This means you must write even when you don't feel like it. Professional writers don't make up excuses like writer's block. They write whether they feel like it or not. Some gurus sell writing as this vacation job where you can write from your laptop while sitting on the beach. But the reality is that writing means going over your manuscript for the fifth time and wondering if it's even salvageable because of how much more work it needs to be ready. (laughs) The second uncomfortable truth is that most authors lose money. There's two kinds of jobs in the world. The first is a standard distribution job. These are jobs like dentist, plumber, teacher, and editor. In these jobs, almost everyone makes money, and the top earners make maybe five or ten times more than the bottom earners. Almost everyone is somewhere in the middle of a bell curve distribution. The second kind of job is a Pareto distribution job. These are jobs like athlete, actor, musician, artist, and author. In these jobs, the average earner loses money. A small percentage make a living wage, and a handful are fantastically wealthy. While the best paid teacher may make five times more than the lowest earning teacher, the top athlete makes 50,000 times more money than the bottom athlete. (laughs) To chart the relationship, you need to use a logarithmic scale. It's so extreme. For most people, music, art, and sports are expensive hobbies, not a way to pay the bills. And the same is true for authors. Yes, indie publishing has grown the middle class, but indie publishing is still affected by the Pareto distribution, and most indie authors still lose money. For some comparison, in 2024, there will be more Olympic gold medalists than there will be New York Times bestselling authors. So with those uncomfortable truths out of the way, it's time to ask the important questions. And I encourage you to write your answers to these questions down. You can write them in the comments below the blog version of this podcast episode, which you can find at authormedia.com slash 403. You could do it at authormedia.social. We have a discussion thread for each new episode, or you can do it and just keep your answers to yourself. But actually typing out your answers should be very clarifying for you as you're trying to decide whether to quit or whether to keep going. So the first question is, why are you writing your book? And it's always good to start with why. So some common answers may be for therapy, writing to recontextualize past events or writing to pay the bills, right? Thousands of authors make a living writing books. Perhaps this is you or soon will be to advance a cause or an idea, right? The world is broken and maybe you have a way to fix it. Or perhaps it's to leave a legacy. I want to leave something behind that will outlive me. Or maybe it's some other reason. So write down your reason why you're writing your book. Question number two is what does success look like for you? It's really important to have your own definition of success so you don't just pick it up from those around you, especially those trying to sell you something. I encourage you to write down what success looks like for you. James L. Rubart calls this your champagne moment. Uh, When do you pop the bottle of champagne to celebrate success? For some authors, this could be being published. Once I hold my book in my hand, I will be a success. Or it could be a financial goal. At $50,000 a year, I can quit my job, or perhaps it's something bigger, making enough money so my spouse can quit and join me in the business, right? There's a lot of authors who are making enough money where their whole family works for them and their writing and publishing becomes a family business. Or perhaps it's bestseller status, right? Once I'm on the USA Today bestseller list, then I will be a success. Or perhaps it's some specific award for quality, right? Once I win a Christie, then I will be a success. Or perhaps it's a film adaptation. Once my book is a movie, I will be a success. Which, by the way, if that's your goal, listen to last week's episode, which is all about adapting your story into a screenplay. Perhaps it's just staying sharp, right? I want to keep my mind active in my twilight years. Writing can be a really good way to do that, especially the learning of the new things, like your website and the marketing. That mental challenge keeps you mentally young. And For some authors, that alone is worth the price of admission. Or maybe it's making your point, right? Once my audience understands my argument, then I will be a success. So write down your answer to the question, what does success look like for you? Question three is what kind of investment do you need to achieve that success? Publishing success requires a significant investment of both time and money. Now, how much of an investment you need depends on your goal. It will take a lot more time and money to become a bestseller than it will be to simply hold a book in your hands that has your name on it. To write a bestseller, typically takes five to 10 years of deliberate practice. We have a course, it's called The Five-Year Plan to Becoming a Best-Selling Author, and that is the accelerated course. It's about cutting what is normally a 10-year process down to merely five years. It requires you to have multiple books that you don't publish, that you wrote just to get good enough so that the books that you do publish resonate with readers. It's a path most people are too impatient to follow because they don't really want to be a bestseller. They just want to hold their book in their hands. As for financial success, the easiest way to make your $50,000 a year is to develop two skills. That is learning how to identify what the hot genres are that you can write appealing books in, and two, learn how to write fast and publish cheaply. Those two skills are not the only two skills you need, but they're the first two I would focus on if making money is your goal. So what kind of investment do you need to achieve that success? Write your best answer to this question and be specific, right? How many dollars per month and how many hours per month do you think you'll need to invest? Give your best answer. I I realize this is a bit uncertain, but something specific is better than some vague hope. All right, now it's time for question four. What is the next best alternative for your time and money? If you were to quit writing today, what would you spend that time and money on? If quitting writing means more time for Netflix and YouTube, that is different than if it means more time to start that business you've been wanting to start or perhaps spending more time with your family. If you have small children or elderly parents living with you, the cost of writing is higher than it is if you live alone. Now, if you write for religious reasons, you may find that you have a bigger impact on the world by becoming more active in your local church. Becoming a small group leader might have more of an impact on the kingdom than you writing a book. So what is your next best alternative for your time and money? And you may have two different answers here, a next best alternative for your time and then something different that's your next best alternative for your money. And now it's time for the final question. Question number five is, is your investment sufficient to achieve your goal? Are you spending enough time and money to get to your champagne moment? Are you making progress or do you feel like you're falling behind? If your current level of investment is sufficient, don't quit. Your persistence should pay off in time. But if you feel like you're falling behind, if you feel like your investment is insufficient, something has got to give. So let's talk about your options here. The first option is to prune. The key to success in a Pareto job, like writing, professional sports, or acting, is focus. When you watch videos about Olympians, they often feature all the sacrifices the Olympians made to make time to practice. Right, this is the gymnast who missed the prom so she could compete in a gymnastics competition. Financial success in publishing requires Olympic levels of sacrifice. Another word for this is pruning. This is where you cut away less valuable activities and expenses to focus on what really matters. And we've talked a lot about printing on this podcast, so I won't belabor the point here, but I will direct your attention to some previous episodes, some very popular episodes on printing. The first is Focus Pruning and Why Novel Marketing is About to Change. And the second is Trim to Win, Why Saying No is Crucial to Publishing Success, a Pruning Story. These are like part one and part two of an ongoing story that you'll hear if you listen to those episodes. I also have an episode called How to Prevent Writing Burnout, which has a uh, worksheet that comes with it that helps you get very specific about the very best things to prune and what things need to be pruned first. It turns out that quitting is the key to success, (laughs) but you must be strategic in what you quit. If you want to write gold medal books, you must be willing to make Olympic level sacrifices. Your second option is to take a break from writing. One of the most common interruptions I see in author careers is having a parent or grandchild moving in. But there are a lot of life events that can interrupt your writing, right? Perhaps it's chemotherapy, or perhaps it's getting married, or perhaps it's a child. If this is you, one option is to take a break from writing. For everything, there is a season, and this may just not be the season of writing. And if you're in a season of caretaking, embrace it. Of the Pareto jobs, writing is the friendliest to those who take a break. Writing is not like sports where time makes you old and slow. If anything, time makes you better at writing since good life experience can inform good writing. Now, your third option is to quit writing. I want you to close your eyes and imagine quitting writing and taking all of that time and money that you're investing in your book and in your platform, and in promotion, and putting it towards your next best alternative from question number four that we talked about earlier. This would mean no more rejection letters, no more writers' conferences, no more online writers' groups, no more writers' podcasts, no more tears at the keyboard, no more ugly edits, and no more books. How do you feel when thinking about quitting writing? Do you feel relieved, or do you feel grieved? Does forsaking your next book feel like letting go of a burden that's been weighing you down? Or does it feel like losing a dear friend? Your final option is to lower your ambitions, right? One way to make writing less stressful is to lower your expectations, ambitions, and desires. You could give up on quality sales numbers and reviews. But if you do this, you need to go the whole way don't say you don't care about sales numbers and then still check your rank on Amazon. If you will be unhappy if your book only sells 10 copies that no one reads, then this option is not for you. There was one author who took one of my courses. He did all of the trainings and he took none of my advice. I kept urging him to make his book into the kind of book that people wanted to buy. And he kept saying, I want to write the book that's on my heart. I don't care about the sales numbers. He was a pastor and I believed him. Then he launched his books and it failed to sell because it wasn't the kind of book that people wanted to read. And he was angry with me because he said my course didn't work. And I was like, but you didn't follow my advice. If you don't care about sales numbers, why are you measuring success with sales numbers? So you must be honest with yourself. If you're double-minded, you will be unstable and unhappy. And if you're telling yourself you don't care about sales numbers, I need to tell you something. You are currently listening to a podcast called Novel Marketing. Something in you still cares about sales numbers. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. (laughs) So be honest with yourself and be very careful before taking option number four of telling yourself you're lowering your ambitions. You have to really do it if you're going to do it. Now, before we go, let me give you some bad reasons to quit publishing. (laughs) The first one is someone on the Internet hurt my feelings. It's no fun to have a bunch of angry trolls shouting at you, but you can't let the trolls win. If you let them convince you to quit, they will just move on to bully the next author with even more vitriol. Stand up for yourself and don't back down and don't feed the trolls. If you want to know how to make your platform cancel proof, I have an episode on that. And I'll tell you, the way to make it cancel proof is not to quit because they will still hate you even if you're hiding. The second bad reason to quit is because writing is hard. Stop whining. All jobs are hard. We are humans. Hard work is what we do. Does your roofer complain about roofer's block? He has to work in the blazing sun or the frigid cold, one misstep away from injury or even death. And yet, he gets up and goes to work every day because it's his job. So don't talk about how sitting in your air-conditioned room and moving your fingers on a keyboard is so hard. Get over yourself, you entitled whiner, and do your job. (laughs) The third bad reason to quit whining, sorry, to quit writing is because writing isn't fun anymore. Giving birth to a book baby is a bit like giving birth to a human baby. At the beginning, it's real fun. And then you have these moments of joyous anticipation combined with discomfort. As the pregnancy continues, the uncomfortable moments stretch. Eventually, at the end of the pregnancy, it's nothing but uncomfortable moments. You feel like a beached whale and you just want to get this book baby out. Then you go into labor, and it's pain, frustration, worry and hope. If you want to give birth to your book baby, you have to go through labor. And it only gets worse until the pain goes away. This is a normal part of the writing process. Yes, even for best-selling authors, award-winning authors still have a painful labor at the end. There's no feeling like holding a baby in your hands who has your last name, and there's no feeling like holding a book in your hands that has your name on it. The pain to get here is what makes the pleasure all the more meaningful. It's not fun is no reason to quit. Every author, even super successful ones, goes through painful labor pains at the end of the writing process. Edits may not physically hurt, but They're still a pain nonetheless. So the pain is a sign that your book baby is almost here. So just keep pushing. The final bad reason to quit is I got rejected. I know it hurts, but every author gets rejected. Yes, even the successful ones. In fact, it is especially the successful ones because the failures tend to give up at the first few rejections. It's the successful authors who persevere. No book is for everyone. This applies to readers, agents, critics, publishers, retailers, and librarians. In fact, most books are rejected by most people most of the time. To be successful, you just have to find readers who are like, finally, a book for me. Rejection is just part of the job. The best-selling book of all time is The Holy Bible. And when I quote that book on this podcast, I get one-star reviews on Apple Podcasts from angry authors who hate the most popular book ever written. If some people reject the Bible, some people will reject your book as well. That's just how the world is. (laughs) So here's some final encouragement. Yeses and nos go together. When I choose to spend time writing a book, I'm saying no to watching a movie during that time. When I say yes to my wife, I'm saying no to all other women. When you say no to writing, you are also saying yes to something else, and that something else may be more important than your writing. And if that's you, you will live a happier and more fulfilled life if you quit writing now rather than waiting five years and then quitting then. Or maybe you just need to say no to some important things in order to say yes to your writing. When pruning, sometimes you have to cut good branches so the best branches can thrive. It's easy to cut the low-value branches like TikTok or spending time watching Netflix. But it's harder to cut high-value branches like leading a small group at your church. And if you're going to step down from serving in your church to work on your book, your book had better be worth that sacrifice. The process we're going through in this episode is called counting the cost. It's a method to determine if something really is worth the bother. For some people, writing is not actually worth the bother. And if I can talk you out of writing in a single podcast episode, then that might be you. Don't feel bad, though. Remember, when you are saying no to writing, you're saying yes to something else. So focus on that yes. But if writing is for you, do it with your whole heart. Write without reservation or excuse. Write because you love it. Write because you love your readers and you love the joy your books bring them. It may be the only thing holding you back from success is double-mindedness. And once you write with single-minded focus, success will follow. If you want help, with this process, I do recommend that you check out that course, The Five-Year Plan. This is a course that I made with bestselling author James L. Rubart that helps you know what to focus on when. Sometimes burnout is just a result of us working on the wrong things at the wrong time, right? A novelist working on platform when she should be working on her craft or vice versa. This course walks you through quarter by quarter what to focus on and what you don't need to worry about. It is one of our oldest and most popular courses, and it's also one of our least expensive. You can find out more about the five-year plan at authormedia.com. Our featured patron today is J.D. Rempel, author of Melanie on the Move. Melanie's life seems perfect. She's the star on her swim team, and she's got great friends, and she's turning 13 in a few weeks. But when her family is forced to move, her world starts to unravel. Isolated in a new town, Melanie misses her old life. While visiting church, she hears a message that God loves and cares about her. But it's hard to believe when more troubles fall on her family. Can Melanie learn to trust in a God that allows bad things to happen? Discover with Melanie how he can bring something good, even from the difficulties in life. J.D. Remple, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thank you for your financial support that allows me to do this crazy job. <laughs> and hopefully I didn't convince everyone to quit and stop being patrons. <laughs> the Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of AuthorMedia.com. The audio engineering is by William Umstead. The blog version of this episode is crafted by Shauna Lettler, and you can find that blog version at AuthorMedia.com slash 403. And I do encourage you to write out your answers to those questions at AuthorMedia.com slash 403 or in our podcast listeners social network that you can find at www.AuthorMedia.social. So authormedia.com is the website, authormedia.social is the social network. And if you've never joined, you really should check it out. It's free and it's a great community. I'm Thomas Sumstat Jr. saying thank you for listening and live long and prosper.